Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again today on the program. And if this is your first time tuning in, we want to say welcome to our program. We have been on uh, television now for uh, about uh, going into our sixth year, but uh, probably those of you who are viewing us today are viewing us uh, maybe for the first time on a couple of different networks. We have expanded our ministry into several other networks, and we welcome you to the program, and we just uh, encourage you to grab another cup of coffee or whatever, sit down, set your DVR, whatever it takes to follow uh, in this time slot, because I believe you're going to be blessed by the gospel that we preach. Let me just introduce myself a little bit again. I know we've done this for the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to continue to kind of get a little bit familiar with this. I'm Dr. Lynn Hiles, and uh, we're coming to you from West Virginia. We are a traveling ministry. We have been in full-time mobile ministry for over 36 years. We are coming to a city near you, and uh, you can find out where our, ten- our itinerary is at and what we are doing by going to our website at lynnhiles.com, and you'll see that on the screen. And we ha- usually try to keep our itinerary several months in advance. And uh, you can also go to our Facebook page and like us on my public profile. I don't have any more room for friends on my personal page, but you can go to my public profile and follow us there o- on that particular format. Also, you can go and watch us if you, if you do not have uh, uh, it, you know, time to sit down and watch us every week. You caught this by accident. You can watch us on YouTube. Uh, by simply going to YouTube and typing in that you might have life or Dr. Lynn Hiles and a lot of video will come up. Everything we have aired to date is over there and archived. You can go back and get that. You can also subscribe to our iTunes podcast where the audio version of this is broadcast and you can have it delivered straight to your iPhone or your smart device and then there's also an RSS feed I think from going to our website and following that path for your uh, Android device. We preach the gospel of grace. We preach the finished work of Jesus, and we preach the present reality of the kingdom of God. That's the emphasis of our ministry. I promise you that when you tune in, you're not going to get browbeat every week, but you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be edified. You're going to be empowered. You're going to be lifted up. You're going to find that uh, keys, I believe, for successful Life in the kingdom of God will be shared during these programs. At times we're going to have guests on with us that are people that we feel like have something to say for that particular season. We're going to run some stuff of us preaching in different venues and stuff like that so you will have a flavor of us. This is our studio and you'll get a flavor of us how we are in, uh, in meetings where we are, are preaching and declaring things from uh, a pulpit and preaching. So tune in and uh, be part of this. I think you're going to be blessed by it. I want to go into the Word today. Uh, The last two weeks we've been kind of uh, introducing some things, and we're going to continue to do that, but I'm going to take a text today from Psalm 149, and I want to begin to just declare some things from Psalms that are so powerful to me. There's so many things that are being said here as David is looking forward to this new covenant. And the writer of this psalm is looking forward. I think it's just everything about this psalm is screaming new covenant. And let me just read it, and then we'll come back and kind of maybe do a little bit of a verse-by-verse 
uh, exegesis of it and begin to unpack it for you. But it said, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and His praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in Him that made Him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their King. Let them praise His name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto Him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord take pleasure in His people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishment upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, and to execute upon them the judgment written, This honor have all his saints, praise ye the Lord. Now we did a series back some time ago uh, on this book of Psalms, and uh, 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 you can get it through archives. I forget the name of it off the top. I think it's called... uh, I think it's titled, Sing Unto the Lord a New Song. Uh, Nevertheless, let me just unpack this a little bit. It says, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and His praise in the congregation of the saints. Now the first thing that I want you to see is, as I read through this, everything about this psalm is pointing to the new covenant. Uh, When I start thinking about where he says, Sing unto the Lord a new song, my mind immediately goes to the book of Revelation I believe it is chapter 5. I think I'll just try to run over here real quick and grab that verse for you uh, to make sure that's where it's at. But Revelation, I believe it is the fifth chapter, says, let, let me see here. It may be the sixth chapter. No, it's the latter part of the fifth chapter. There we go. Verse, it says, verse number 8, Revelation, the fifth chapter says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And verse 9 says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand thousands of saying, Worthy saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I sing blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and under the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that lives forever and ever. They sang as it were a new song. And here's the song they were singing, Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every nation, every kindred, and every tongue. The new song is the new song of redemption. The new song is the new song of the new covenant. When I, when I see this, I, I, you, you know, something in me just rises up to say to every preacher, every pastor, every person that ever declares anything from a pulpit, 
it's time to sing a new song. You know, I, I sometimes, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical because I understand where people are coming from a lot of times, but a lot of times stuff we sing uh, it comes from an old covenant paradigm. And some of the, the traditions and the ideas and the concepts that we're going to have to break out of if we're going to move forward in the kingdom of God is we're going to really be, have to begin to sing this new song of the new covenant because it's talking about new things. You know, I was thinking about uh, the verse in the scripture that says, uh, Isaiah 43, I've got it in my notes. Here's Isaiah 43, verse 19. says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And uh, one of the things, see, the context of that, uh, he's, I'm going to do a new thing. It, now shall it bring forth. You know, we have, we have taken this verse every time uh, a revival comes. That God's about to do a new thing. Here's the deal. Most of what we call a new thing is an old thing in a new package. We simply repackage and remarket an old thing. But the new thing that God was talking about was the new covenant. And even the context of this, He said, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It's not an accident to me that when John the Baptist comes on the scene in Matthew chapter, chapter 3, he is the voice of one crying in the wilderness to make a highway for our God. And the moment that John the Baptist in the wilderness is the voice of one crying in the wilderness saying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make in the desert a highway for our God. Immediately Jesus shows up on that highway, so to speak, and He says, Right there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So He begins to sing the new song of redemption. So the only, listen, the only, when, when we think about new thing, everything that God was about to do that was new has to do with the new covenant. And, and, and uh, when he, so we're starting this, this very psalm out by saying, uh, you know, sing unto the Lord a new song. The new song then we find in Revelation chapter 5 is, they sang as it were a new song. What's the words? Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every nation, every kindred, and tongue. And they begin to sing, glory and power and might and dominion belong to you because he takes this little book from the right hand of the one that's on the throne and he opens some seals and some things begin to come out of it. Now I want to say that this, these, we just finished a series on another channel on the entire book of Revelation that you can get by going to our website. And in that series, you know, what I show is that this, this, this little book has the seals on it. It's, it's sealed on the, on, on the two sides, front and back. So the, the, the new song of the new covenant, first of all, is he's opening the seals to release what's in this book. Now, if this book is coming from the right hand of the one seated in the throne, the first thing that's coming out of this book as it's unsealed is the revelation of redemption. Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. And then on the other side of that seal, there seems to be, as you read the seals of the book of Revelation, there is wars, there's famines, there's earthquakes, there is pestilence, there is death and hell released. There's a fig tree being shaken by a mighty wind. There are men hiding in caves and dens of the rocks saying, fall on us, and, and so forth. But before it comes into any of those kinds of catastrophes, what is open, first of all, 
is that there is a company that's singing, Thou hast redeemed us. So if I could say it like this, all of those things that are the curse side of this, or the, if you will, the back side of the seal, or if you will, the day of the Lord is both great and terrible. Depends on where you're at in God, whether the day of the Lord is great or terrible. And man, I shouldn't have thrown this book of Revelation stuff in yet because we're just getting started here. But uh, I believe that what Jesus, or I believe what that scripture is talking about is he was talking about coming catastrophes that would occur as a result, without getting into the depth of the book of Revelation here, but coming as a result of God keeping His end of the covenant bargain with apostate Israel when He said to them, uh, you know, if you don't put the blood of the door, the lamb on the doorpost of your house, and uh, then all of these plagues of Egypt are going to come upon you. So those believers that applied the blood of Jesus were redeemed from the curses that would come. And many of those curses, for those of you who follow our ministry, know what I'm talking about when I say this, but a lot, those curses came in A.D. 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, and the fulfillment then, I believe, of the Olivet Discourse is not in our future, it's in our past. But those catastrophes came in those days as God was keeping His end of the covenant bargain. But the first part of this that I want you to see is, and even if you disagree with my eschatology on this, that particular point, hear what I'm saying by the Spirit. What he's saying is, however you see these catastrophes, whether they're famines, whether they're wars, whether it's economic collapse, whether it's death and hell, whether it's war or whatever it is, the song that they sang right before any of that happens is, Thou hast redeemed us. So what he's simply saying is, listen man, to you as believers, you have been redeemed from all of this coming catastrophe because you have been redeemed from the curse of the law, because Jesus became a curse for us. I refuse to embrace anything except a victorious eschatology. If what we believe does not have Jesus as a winner, we are probably preaching the wrong thing. But what he is saying to them is, this new song has with it the idea that you've been redeemed from the coming. Anything that you think is part of the law you've been redeemed from the curses of the law. That's the song of redemption. And let me tell you what happens is when they begin to sing, Thou hast redeemed us, it began a chain reaction of praise. Because it starts out with those who are around the throne, who are seeing the kingdom, who are seeing this rainbow. And I, I, listen, listen, there's so much to preach here. I've jumped in so far deep that I should not probably have done so. But to try to make it as simple as I know how to, if I think about the throne, I'm not really thinking about a Victorian chair three miles south of Mars. Uh, that's a great big chair somewhere. I'm thinking in terms of that I could take you right now, boldly, to the throne of grace. We don't have to leave this room. All we have to do is bow our heads and we enter into the throne room of grace. So as we enter into this understanding of the kingdom and the access we have to this kingdom in the new covenant, the first thing I see is a rainbow. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like a new emerald. That rainbow is a symbol of a covenant. And the covenant that God made with Noah when he said, I will never be angry with you nor be wroth with you 
Again, that was the covenant. That was the bow that God set in the covenant. He took the string off of his bow and said, there's no more war. This is a covenant of peace. So when they look into this throne room, when you see the kingdom, you see a rainbow, if you will, a symbol of a covenant with a little book. If that's not a picture of the present reality of the kingdom of God and the present reality of this new covenant and a present reality of a reigning Jesus right now. That's the song that we need to sing is, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power and praise and might and dominion. And when they began to sing that song, the living creatures, the ones that were first of all inside, they started singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the first thing you know, the four and twenty elders, they start to cry, holy, holy, holy. And then the first thing you know, those that are in the outer court start to cry, holy, holy, holy. And then the first thing you know, every creature in heaven and in earth are declaring the same thing. I'm convinced, man, woman of God, people of God, that we need to sing a new song. Hallelujah. We, man, I feel the Holy Spirit setting down on this right now. There are preachers watching me, and you've been sitting on the sidelines saying, I'm seeing some things about grace. I'm seeing things about the new covenant, but I've said, listen, it's time to sing a new song. It's time to let the high praises of God be in your mouth. And the moment you see these, these things that I'm talking about, that thou hast redeemed us, when you see that what he's saying is everything that you thought you had coming under the law, Jesus redeemed you from it. If that don't jerk a praise up out of you, I don't know what will. I feel like preaching up in here today because I'm going to tell you something. When I realize what all I've been redeemed from, it makes me want to shout, man. I've been redeemed from sin, from sickness, from poverty, from death. And you know what? Until somebody starts to sing that from the throne room, they'll never start singing it in the outer court. Until somebody starts declaring it boldly like I am on national television, it's not going to reach into the uttermost parts of the earth where every creature in heaven and every creature in earth and every creature under the earth begins to sing the same story, Thou hast redeemed us. That's the new song. Oh, man, there's so much I could say about new things, but just, just to give you a few things, uh, uh, you know, in, in Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he talked about, uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and 2, he talked about the cycles and the repetitiveness of the cycles, that the sun arises, it goes about in its circuits. It sets in the, it begins in the east and it sets in the west. The rivers run into the ocean. The ocean is evaporated. It goes into the clouds. The clouds dump their water into the rivers, yet the sea is not full. It's a repetitive cycle. And he begins to talk about cycles that are repetitive and over and over. And he says the thing that has been, that, that's what's going to be. And, and, uh, uh, and it's all vanity and it's vexation of spirit because it's a repetitive cycle. And then Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and 2, he said, is there anything anywhere that you can say, see, this is new? Because under that old covenant paradigm, you are locked into repetitive cycles of repeating the same old, same old, same old. But the answer to Solomon's question comes only in a new covenant. And, 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 and one of the verse, verses that came to my attention was well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things are become new. So Solomon, if you want an answer, here's an answer. If you're in Christ, and I know under the old covenant they couldn't be, but God was about to introduce the new thing. 
Hallelujah. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So Solomon, if you're listening, here's something that's new. His mercies are new every morning. You say, well, boy, I messed up yesterday. I messed up last night. Ah, this is the glorious news of the new covenant. His mercy is new every morning. There's fresh mercy for you today as you avail yourself to that. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse number 26, he said, He will give us a new spirit and a new heart. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. In the New Covenant, also in the New Testament, He said, I'm going to give you new wine. You're going to speak with new tongues. There's a new covenant. There's a new name. There's a new song. There's a new heaven and a new earth. There's a new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. There's a new tabernacle. There's a new priesthood. Hallelujah. There's a new paradise. Everything becomes new. And God finally says this in Revelation 21. He says, Behold, I make all things new. So the whole shift here that I'm hearing from Psalm 149 is that it's time to sing unto the Lord a new song. There's some new stuff that we need to grasp and get a hold of. There's a new covenant. Uh, one of the things that he says in Jeremiah 29, verse 30, I'm sorry, Jer Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 29, he said, In those days they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, watch this, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. See, this is a brand new deal. It's not an old one revamped. It's not a hopped up old covenant. It's not an addendum to the old covenant. It is a brand new covenant. I talked to a pastor just last week and been in ministry 50 years. He said, Dr. Ozzie, he said, man, some of the things you're teaching have so profoundly affected my life. He said, but I remember back to my Bible college days and I did not have even one class that taught me the difference between an old covenant and a new covenant. I think that's tragic because, the, the, I mean, uh, God is a covenantal God. And if you don't understand the covenants, you are going to get so messed up and so mixed up. But when you realize God acted a certain way under the old covenant because that's what He had bound Himself to, but He operates another way under the new covenant. And He says to them, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in, in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest, saith the Lord, and I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. I'm telling you, man, that's powerful. I'll, I'll remember their sin no more. And so, you know, 
he goes, you know, the whole story behind this is, a, uh, is the story of generational curses. And it's so pr- predominantly taught in some places that God visits the sins of the children to the third and the fourth generation. That's an old covenant paradigm. Uh, but verse 29 of Jeremiah says, In those days they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. This is from, I believe, in Adam Clark's commentary. It says, The fathers have eaten the sour grape. Is a, is, it is a proverbial expression for the children suffer for the offenses of their parents. This is explained in the next verse, Everyone shall die for his own iniquity. No child shall suffer divine punition for the sin of his father so far as he acts in the same way he can be said to bear the sins of his parents. And, uh, uh, but what I want you to see is that in the new covenant, when Jesus is hanging on, talk about sour grapes, Jesus is hanging on the cross. The sins of the entire nation, the sins of the entire world is being laid on him. And ah, this is so powerful to me. Jesus rears back and cries out loud, I thirst. And they go bring him a sop of vinegar. Listen, folks, that sop of vinegar was sour grapes. What Jesus was doing, man, I get excited about it. He was taking every generational curse that you had coming, and he was drinking this cup of sour grapes so that never again would God visit the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Listen, the new song we need to be singing is, Thou hast redeemed us. We are not up under any kind of a curse, any shape, fashion, form. You're not up under the curse of the law. You're not up under a generational curse. You're not up under the curse of Adam. You have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus was made a curse for you. That generational curse thing is one of the things that will not stand the filter of the cross. And when we begin to sing unto the Lord a new song, then we begin to sing the song of redemption. Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. I'm telling you, there's some new things. The new thing God did was the new covenant with a new spirit and a new heart, with mercies new every morning, with a new creation in Christ. Everything becomes new. I don't know about you, but let me just tell you, every time you tune into this program, you're going to hear us sing this song of the new covenant. Because I'm and making these comparisons, it really begins to draw the line in the sand. See, once, um, what we do a lot of times, we pull a scripture out of an old covenant paradigm and try to make it fit with something we're trying to preach in the new covenant. Listen, we need to preach unadulterated, unwatered down, new covenant, Jesus paid it all. If you've been sitting there and you feel like you've been under the curse, somebody's put you under all kinds of stuff, you thought, you know what? I have, I, I have been under generational curses. Listen, Jesus drank that cup for you. You might be uh, living under repetitive behaviors that you've learned, but you need to break those repetitive behaviors. They're not, they're not generational curses. God is for you. He's not against you. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. It's time for you to start to sing a new song and say, I'm going to get up out of the condition that I am in because I am blessed. I am not cursed. I'm, hallelujah, I'm a child of the King, and Jesus has redeemed me. And begin to sing that song, and it'll begin to lift you out of that oppression that you're in. Listen, we're running out of time, but I want you to just take a moment to call that number on the screen, or take a moment to get the address that'll come up on the screen. Write to us. If you can help us to take the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of grace around the world, we deeply, deeply are grateful and appreciate that. We need your help in order to do that. 
It costs a lot of money to do television, but we believe God's able to speak to your heart without any gimmicks, without any, uh, you know, any kind of manipulations. God can lay it on your heart. If you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, do it now. Go to our website. You give via credit card. Call the number on the screen. Somebody's there standing by to take it for you now. So a seat into the ministry. God bless you for joining us. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.